Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> We're back. We back. Oh man, another week, another wonderful were to, episode. Were you about to drink some water? Yeah. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, why not? We'll just let the music play over this. You need to be hydrated, people. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. We don't we don't drink enough water. That's my whole that's my whole thing. Is that we don't drink enough water. I mean, I drink lots of water. But you still should be drinking more. That's my whole thing. I don't how know. much do you think? How much do you drink a day, you think? Uh, probably like 10 glasses. Yeah, you should drink more. 10 glasses this size. That's You still need more. That's not even, what size glass is that? It's like 16 ounces. Ah, That's like 160 more. ounces of water. Yeah, 10 more of water. 10 more of those. <laughs> Three hundred twenty ounces. That's honestly probably right. I mean, I I don't. I think. I think so. Who knows? Who knows? I probably the do actually drink know. more than I realize. I drink water pretty mindlessly. Yeah, that's good. Well, and there's water like in food that we eat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I mean, I'm sure you're getting a, quite a bit of water. Yeah. But yeah, we all need to drink water and take care of ourselves and wear a mask. That's we should probably start saying that a lot more in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Wear a mask, folks. Yeah. It's good. It's a good thing. Um, so welcome back to the show, Patrick Chappelle here at Patrick Podcast. Today, oh today, <laughs> what a great episode. We talked to our very own Benjamin. Benjamin R.R., the artist known as Benjamin R.R. We talk about Ben's new uh, EP or LP. What did we land on? On on a uh, I, I I remember the conversation, but now I don't remember. Uh, I think we said album. I think we did say, say this. Let's make let's you have to let's listen make to it find a, out. You have to listen to find out. Yeah, maybe you'll hear the difference between Is an, it an EP, EP or an LP listen or an LP. Listen to find out. So yes, we hear. Uh, ben and I talk about his new um, music that is out. I love doing this because people, the music is good. It's delicious. It came on one of my, some of you listen to Spotify and have like the daily mixes that come on the daily podcast. It was on my daily mix. And I was like, who is this? And I was like, oh, it's Benjamin. I was like, this is so good. So <laughs> definitely Thank you. check it out. I love it. You're going to love it. Definitely check it out. It's called in, uh, Insomniac? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lullabies for Insomniacs. Lullaby for Insomniacs. Yeah, there it is. It's so good. <laughs> but no, seriously, definitely check out Lullaby, Lullabies for Insomniacs. Um, and Benjamin R.R. is the artist's name that you can find that under on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, where else is it? As another, as as two other places is at. Yeah, I mean it's it's everywhere. It's um, everywhere. Anywhere yeah. you listen to streaming music, that's where you can find it. So definitely check that out. I I think it's a great episode. You're gonna love it. We talk about. It's funny, of course, because we talk about a lot of things in this episode, not just the yeah. the actual uh, music. So I think you'll find it pretty interesting. And yeah, we hope you enjoy it. But uh, Ben's engaged, as you've been hearing the past few episodes. I'm not engaged, but uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe I'm dating. Maybe I'm dating. Maybe I'm not. Who's Who's to say? I think who you knows? are to say. <laughs> I guess and I am another to party. say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, I did say I, I had a one time. I did have a girlfriend who. Uh, we just kind of like stopped. She stopped responding, and we stopped talking. I but we this. never, 
but we never had the breakup conversation. So, you're still so dating technically, her. so technically, we're still dating. Yeah. So technically, we've been dating for years. So I'm just gonna like, what if I just showed up to her uh, her doorstep in in the hey, city she lives in? Hey, let's uh, let's go ahead and get married. Been dating for like five years. <laughs> it's about that time. <laughs> about that time. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so make sure you're following us on all the socials. That will be helpful. Make sure to give us the five stars, especially on iTunes. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and all of that. And share the episode. Share the link. Share um, the, the tweets. Share anything that is Patrick podcast related. We're always trying to grow the podcast. Leave a comment when you leave, when you leave your five stars on iTunes. Those definitely help us get pushed up into the search when people are looking for podcasts, especially for the Patrick podcast. Seriously, folks, thanks so much for listening. I love you all as listeners. You're incredible. And thanks for all the support. And here's... Oh, before we go that, Ben, you want to add anything before we hear more? You're basically <laughs> going to hear just us talking for more episode. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, if, if you uh, if you need if you need an easier way to find the album, um, just go to my Instagram Benjamin RR underscore, um, and there is a link in my bio that will take you to wherever you listen to music, and you'll be able to find the album there. Um, and, and, we'll, also, and we'll link it. We'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and also, if you are listening and you are a fellow music maker, uh, just a quick shout out to Matter. Uh, music. It's a streaming service. I think I mentioned in the episode. I just could not recommend it more, especially for a young, growing artist um, that's just looking for uh, support and feedback on what they're making and uh, people to collaborate with. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's totally free to be on it and to listen to music on it. Um, and if you join, uh, shoot me a DM on it and I'll check out your music and I'll share it and everything. So dope love it all right folks here's the episode enjoy peace (laughs) (laughs) and welcome to the episode I already know what I'm going to do to this editing-wise, so I'm just going to go ahead and explain to the audience. We had to pause for a second, and now we're back. What? Why are we pausing? I'm going to cut out all that stuff. Well, sure. Which, <laughs> well, which part? <laughs> the stuff that we just talked about. <laughs> okay, let's get to this. So I have the real power here. Oh, True. You do have you do have some power there. Dude, that is very true. I'm just kidding. We all have power though. You have power, people. Anyway. So here we are. We're gonna talk about your new EP. So we've talked about this on this show before in the in the intros in different ways about your being a music producer and also being someone who kind of creates your own music. Yeah, and you recently just did an EP. Yeah, I, EP. I, you know, I was actually really worried about what to call it. I've just been calling it album. Yeah. Okay. So and that, that may be a good. That may I be don't good, know what. 
Do you do you know? Do you know the difference between an EP and an LP? I know you do. According to Wikipedia, What's, yeah, which what is isn't the... necessarily reliable. <laughs> but it's what we it's all actually, use. <laughs> it's actually supposed to be based on the amount of airplay, quote-unquote airplay, is on the record. So how much time is on the record. So a single can yeah. actually be anything that is like less than like six or seven minutes, I think. Yeah. So that's why you have people that release singles, quote unquote, that have more than one song. Oh, okay. An EP is like something like just like 30 minutes or under. And then an LP is like between 30 minutes and like an hour. I think that mine is at like 33 minutes or something like that. Let's actually check. So I, I, did, I was kind of like worried what to call it because like, it's not really a oh, full length. 22 minutes. Oh, it's an EP then, I think. Maybe maybe an EP is 20 minutes. I, I can't remember. But either way, I think I remember looking up, and it's in between EP and LP. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. We'll just call it album. We'll call it album. So, yeah. So, you have an album. <laughs> 23 minutes. <laughs> Lullabies for Insomniacs. Yeah. So, okay. And... What, let's start with just the name of of the album. Is there is I'm sure there's a story behind that. So what what led you to? Because I'm sure that you went through, as a lot of folks who are in your position would, several mm. different names to to call this. Is that title of the album connected to even how you put together the songs you put together for this album? Uh, yeah, it definitely was. It, it so. I I just want to go ahead and straight off the top. I don't want to, if anyone listening is someone who's been diagnosed with a form of insomnia, I, I have not been diagnosed with that, and so I'm not. I'm not claiming that I am an sure. insomniac. Um, I'm more just using like the term as kind of metaphor as someone who's restless, um, and and has trouble sleeping. Right. So. I, I do struggle with my sleep patterns a lot. And, and a lot of it has to do with um, kind of anxiety and just like overwhelming thoughts and feelings about what happens in the world um, on a uh, eco level and political level and social level. Um, so one of the ways that I kind of relieve a lot of that tension and anxiety is making music a lot of times when I am on a streak of not being able to sleep I'll realize that there is there is something within me that I need to put get out of my system in the form of a song and so in a way these songs help me sleep they're not lullabies they're, in fact, most of them are not songs you could probably fall asleep to. <laughs> so the, the album title actually more refers to the idea of it was a therapeutic process for me and it helped me find rest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that that's and I, and I get that because, you know, even you making that disclaimer that I'm not an, an insomniac, which is interesting because a lot of people will use phrases like people will say often, oh, I'm an insomniac. Oh, I'm, I'm really hungry. And it's like, 
Are you truly starving or hungry? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Are you truly in insomnia? I don't like, want to make light. You don't want to make light of that because totally. I mean, because there are people who are who might be listening to this or who have friends who are legit like diagnosed insomniac. Yeah. But it is something that we often say as you know uh, culturally as a. Oh yeah, I'm a total insomniac. I love. I can never fall asleep. Right. But it's like no, you may just be restless, or you right. may, or but but what is true is that anxiety it does exist, and so right. and you do have that as a part of the of of uh, of life, and so I mean like that could be connected to some type of restlessness in your sleep. But right, yeah. and and so I decided to put these out That's because good. I. I didn't know, you know, like worst case scenario, this album means nothing to people. If that's the worst case scenario, that's like really not that bad. Like this, this album, I don't think could do anything wrong. And so, but the best case scenario is that there's one person out there that for some reason hears one of these songs and feels like it's an embodiment of the way that they've been feeling and they find some sort of release of anxiety through it as well. Oh yeah. And so that's why I decided to put it out and, and I don't need that to happen. Like I'm not hoping to change the world or anything with that. I mean, that would be incredible to be able to make a difference with music, but I, I feel like I would be doing a disservice not to try to put it out for anybody. Yeah, that's good. So, okay. So as we look at the, so I guess technically, if you're if you're on Spotify or if that's one of the places you look, the actual kind of lullabies for insomniacs that that e, the album there, um, it has seven tracks, but truly it's an eight track album because the last track, which we'll <laughs> yeah. talk about in in a few moments here. Noise. We have the instrumental version of Noise on the on the, the album. album, but then like there's a single for Noise, yeah. which and is. I'll be honest. Here's a little podcast exclusive. Oh, nice! I didn't know how to re-release the same song. There's a whole method where you're supposed to uh-huh. use the what's called metadata to put out the same song again, so that it's is the same song and it's getting the same plays and stuff. Yep. I didn't know how to do that, so I just didn't put it on the album. But I wanted it on the album. <laughs> so maybe that's why you thought it was 30-something minutes, because in your mind, it is. Yeah, it's like I approaching guess, 30. It's more it's like approaching, Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, I, I've always wondered when, when I've talked to people who put out albums, you know, one of the questions I always have, and I have this for you too, is you've got these group of songs, which you love. I do love these Because songs. what I would imagine is anything that is on the album mm-hmm. is you're not a song that you were mediocre on didn't make the, didn't make the cut. Because I know that it, with, a lot, with most every artist that probably exists out there who hears this or who knows people who, are, who create music or who write, or who write uh, melodies or who do anything with music, right? There is... Um, there's so many that never get seen totally. or heard yeah. or enjoyed and like the, cause it's just not for that particular person. They're not, they're not to their standard. Yeah. And someone can say, Oh, but that was so good. It's like, Nope, that's not good. Yeah. And, and that's because that particular person, there's something about that song that just didn't, they were like, wasn't doing it for him. Totally. So that being said, knowing that these are all songs that 
you do in a lot of ways love, you do love, what is still, what's the one that you're like, this is the song on the album that I'm just very excited. It finally is getting, people have the chance to hear. Whether they, because again, I always know too that like sometimes the the band, the artist, the performer, their favorite song doesn't always end up being the favorite song yeah. of the people who kind of consume the product. Yeah. Um, my favorite song on the album is Sleep. I, It's really special. And I think that people are really liking it, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, but a close second would actually be Control for a different reason, which are we going to talk about like individual tracks or anything? Like, cause that, that track is just like a big accomplishment for me. And so I'm like really excited about that one, but sleep is, is like, I think the one that like is the, where I wanted to be sounding. It is like the perfect, uh, capturing of the vibe that I wanted for this um, so I, I'm really glad that that one is is being heard it's yeah. great that's good um, so sleep so what is it about so is there a more of a story behind sleep I mean so okay so actually here's what happened so I'll just kind of do like a timeline yeah um so actually, back in October of last year, it was right before I went to Israel, which I think we've mentioned on this yeah. before, um, I wrote a song called Control. It was an experiment. Um, it was it, I had just started working at a new studio, this, the same place I work right now, uh, and the my boss was letting me have the studio to myself on the weekends. And so I was there one weekend, and I decided to do an experiment I, I learned music and grew up making music in my bedroom and in very small spaces. And so like, I didn't have instruments really. I had a guitar and like a keyboard, but most of the music I was making was computer generated sounds. Um, and so to be able to now be in a space that is full of literally every instrument you can think of, every keyboard right. you can think of, it's right. more than just computers, it's hardware synths and stuff like that. I, one of the first weekends that I started going in on in and being in the studio alone, I decided to experiment with seeing how much I could do without the computer. Um, and so control was that yeah. experiment. So uh, I wanted to make a full song without any computer generated sounds. And that is what control is. And I, I wrote all the song except for the second verse um, and then sat on it, really liked it, thought it was very cool, loved the idea of performing a lot more of the music rather than programming it. Um, and then I think it was probably not until February that I decided to come back and finish it and wrote the second verse. Now, when you, when you did your writing, did you, I know some folks, when they do writings of songs, they'll bring other people into the process. They'll, they'll at least like have a couple folks so they'll bounce the, here's the direction I'm heading in. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you think this is a good direction? Like who, who was a part of that 
process for you or or was there was it not really someone and you just kind of said i'm just gonna do this as much on my own as i can um it, it is pretty pretty exclusive to me but there were people that i was showing and getting their thoughts on um the lyrics i never asked for advice on um what's that because i don't like i'm I'm not a great songwriter sure. and i'm not writing songs to write like a hit lyric song like i'm writing lyrics that are coming out of me like i'm it's very very like authentic and like unsculpted it's uh, more like a journal entry correct of, of, of you know a in fact that's what noise is actually yeah, yeah exactly um but yeah so i i would show it some i would show tracks to my my boss mickey and i i even i've sent stuff to you i always show stuff to maddie my girlfriend um and a couple other people that i would send to mainly for like feedback on like does it sound good but lyrically no right. no one was allowed to speak in on that um, okay and that's not like a arrogance thing that's just like a that's a creative choice yeah um but yeah so that was control. I knew that I wanted to put control out in some form or fashion. I thought about releasing it as a single, but I, I wanted there to be more stuff. Um, I knew that whenever I decided to put stuff out as Benjamin RR, which I hadn't yet, right? that I wanted there to be a vision for it, which I had never really cared about with any of my other projects that I've done. But I wanted there to be a vision for Benjamin RR. So I think it was uh, sat on control. I was just kind of like when COVID hit, I was practicing. I was just doing a, an exercise where I would try to spend an hour twice a week making something from scratch. So I was building up this whole folder of beats and tracks and stuff like that all through COVID. And then, I believe it was around June that I thought of the title Lullabies for Insomniacs. Nice. Um, and I just, I knew that I wanted to put together like a collection of songs that helped me kind of find some rest. Um, and it was right after that I came up with that title Lullabies for Insomniacs that I wrote the track Sleep. So Sleep is kind of like, like Sleep's subtitle would be Lullabies for Insomniacs. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Right, so right, right, Sleep right, is yeah. just about... Um, not being able to sleep because yeah. it's hard to sleep when there's so much to think about. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's been kind of a thing for a lot of folks even in this year is that there's so there's so much. It, it feels like we're still in the midst of a year that we haven't properly processed through any of the moments that have happened. In yeah. in the country, in our in our own cities, yeah, it's like because there's so it's like you got this one thing, and now that we got another thing, we gotta give some attention to, and then there's another thing, yeah. and then there's another thing, and then that and that's not even to that's on top of the continual dramas of our own lives, like with our family totally. and friends and work and everything else, but it's like all of that on top of like what is happening in the country yeah. and in the world. Yeah, it's like our personal lives have kind of become embodiments of like our our news cycle these days. Uh -huh. It's like, does it even matter what happened yesterday? 
Um, yeah. Because what, what, there's a new craziness yeah. that's going to happen today that I'm gonna, that's going to totally consume the cycle of you know, news, of media, of whatever. But yeah. So before we... Yeah. So, okay. I like this. We're going through the, uh, the track here, the, the track list. But before we get too deep in that, I wanted to, I wanted to ask, is there... Who are the, who are the artists that you listen to that you feel like really help, like shape and form you to like this is what i want to do with this with this album like who are the artists and i know that even on your on your spotify page you have a uh lullabies for insomniacs like inspiration playlist oh yeah i forgot i made that Yeah. yeah yeah um so i think there's kind of obvious i think everybody whenever there's any sort of unpolished uh, falsetto high higher vocal people are automatically going to hear Boney Vare in there. Yeah, um, and that is an obvious influence on my music. Um, Justin Vernon is definitely one of the most inspirational people to me musically. Um, but people like what's great about Justin is I think that he's able to express a lot of emotion and and create something that people are able to resonate with even when you can't really understand him <laughs> you still know what he's saying you know right, what i mean right right james yeah. blake is another person like that yeah james <clears throat> blake is like that for sure um and and that was something that i wanted to experiment experiment with too is is stuff that people couldn't understand but could still understand right um so james blake bonnie fair uh, there's a group called Aquilo, A-Q-U-I-L-O, that is very influential on my sound. They incorporate a lot of very acoustic, tangible sounds with um, more electronic pop-style production. Um, and it's a very unique sound. Um, yeah, uh, they have a song that you have on your playlist called Thin, is that right? Yes, I love Thin. Thin is a great song. It was my most played song the year it came out. Um, uh, yeah, what else is on that playlist? I need to... Um, you know, what's funny is that there's not any Bonnie Vare on it. Yeah, I didn't want to be that obvious. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's probably but, why it's not on there, because it's like, okay, that's yeah, too Yeah, but he definitely, he definitely yeah. is a big... But yeah. another, another one is... Um, and of is, course, Coldplay is on there. Midnight from Coldplay is one yeah, of those songs okay, that really. So, someone. Not many people like the album Ghost Stories. It is some people's steamiest hot take is that it is it is their best album. Right. Yeah, I know a few folks who are in that camp. Yeah. <laughs> most people hate the album. They, most people are not not fans. <laughs> Here's the deal, I. I came on to Coldplay when Milo Zelodo came out. So kind of late. Yeah, that that's quite a bit. <laughs> Pretty late. <laughs> but you know, did the did my due diligence and went back and listened to the whole catalog and became obsessed. When Ghost Stories came out, I did I wasn't I was so new to Coldplay that I didn't understand the fan culture. Oh, yeah. So I didn't know that it was supposed to be hated. I didn't know that it was supposed to be a bad album. 
So I loved it. And I loved it even more because I was so fascinated by Coldplay that I watched all the interviews that they did. And the way that they talked about ghost stories made me love the album more because it was something that wasn't supposed to be for Coldplay. It was all of them reflecting and being personal. It was more of like a Chris and uh, I forget all their other names. It was it was more yeah. like their album, yeah. not Coldplay. Coldplay right. had become this other thing. Yeah. And so to me, it was like the most authentic Coldplay album. And I know that's a really hot take, and so that's all I'll go into it. But I just thought it was really neat. You know, they've, they've always collaborated with a guy named Brian Eno. And Brian Eno is an expert on sound design and soundscapes and things like that. He's got some very strange work that he's done, but most of it's very, very beautiful. It's all the stuff that makes you feel something that's right. not like the instruments that the band's playing. Um, this album, Ghost Stories, they started collaborating with a guy named John Hopkins. Mm. John Hopkins is like the Brian Eno of like the EDM world. Ah, So he makes very, very hefty, heavy music, right? but it's very, very beautiful. Like right. you will cry listening to a John Hopkins song and then the next song on the album will make you dance. Right. Um, and I, so that album ghost stories on a production level is just very, very important to me. Yeah. And well, and I mean, and that's the thing it's like, and this is a small tangent, which is fine. I love little tangents, but it's one of those things where for a lot of Coldplay fans, and this is true for my, the band that I love Weezer fans. And I would say this is true for most every band that's out there. Some people can never get past the first two albums especially yeah. like for some Coldplay fans if it doesn't sound like a rush of blood to the head then it's just garbage yeah and i don't want anything to do with it Which, and and yeah let me let me just this is not a hot take because i <laughs> think that everyone is an idiot when it comes to this so it is not a hot take actually <laughs> it uh, is a hot take. let me just say this this is good. If you think for a second that when you're about to graduate college and you're turning in your final paper, if you think, you know what? The first paper I ever wrote was actually the best paper. <laughs> you would, you would, everyone would tell you you were wrong. Yeah, that's true. Everyone would tell you that's, that's immature. And who knows? Your first paper you've ever written in third grade or whatever it was might be incredibly provocative right. and well-written. It might be short, but for what it is, it might have been all the right words. But if you think for a second that there wasn't any growth between them, <laughs> even just the first paper you wrote your freshman year to your senior year, that's what music is. Yeah. And that's what fans don't yeah. give artists the grace. Yeah. Fans need to be more like open. Sure. And but, it's okay yeah. to be a super fan and be yeah. obsessed with the first album, but to think that a band isn't allowed to grow and change is so arrogant and selfish. Well, but then, because then what would end up happening is that if, you know, and we have bands that are like this, like if a band, uh, there are plenty of bands, I won't name them because they'll uh, get their, their stands all on my, all on my back, but there, but there are plenty of bands who do stick with a particular sound. And they and if you put all their albums together, you say, "Oh, this is just one long playlist of right. the same thing." Yeah. And and again, if that's what that particular band and artist wants to do, okay, 
that's that's their yeah. business. Is there? There's something is there, really respectful yeah. about finding a vibe and right. sticking and you with stick it. With, and you're and you're just kind of tweaking the vibe every now and then because because they would sit in in a room and say, "Well, these albums are very different to us." And it's yeah. like, and we've well, gotten better, right? And we've gotten better. We're we're tighter as a band. Yeah, we play these things, these instruments, even even more passionately because what we were like when we were. But I think again, you don't appreciate again the what Coldplay, and then we're going to get back to your album after this, but. I'm really glad we're talking about this, though. This yeah. is really important to me. Or, or even you know, parachutes. That's that, that's probably even something that people you know will stuck will say they're they're stuck in that. But that was that album came out in 2000. Yeah, and it's great. It is incredible. <laughs> it's I a great album. It. But listen, it was here's the thing, yeah. listener. Think about who you were listening to 10 years ago. Yeah. Would you listen to them now? Okay, here's a hot, yeah. here's a here's also newsflash. <laughs> Artists also change who they're listening to. Yeah, that's Artists right. Artists are also listeners. Yeah, yeah. And the fact of the matter is, who you listen to really affects the way you make music. It's, yeah, it affects everything. And so, Chris Martin, who he was listening to in 2000, is totally different from who he listens to now. I, I know that he definitely has like a lot more Middle Eastern music influence yeah. in his music now than he did in 2000. Yeah. And so, that's going to affect the way the music sounds. Or, or truly, what you would say even for, that, for the first album is... What he was listening to in the nineties, oh, because yeah. that's what informed that those first probably several records was like here's what I was listening to in the nineties and of course early two thousands. But you know that's that's a very very good point. And location is a huge thing. You know, like those Absolutely. first few albums, they probably recorded in a studio all together. But like for instance, I think of someone like One Republic, like Ryan Tedder at this point in time, he records One Republic songs when he can. And I know the last full-length album they got didn't get a lot of good reviews, but they recorded every song almost in a different country. And so just think about like if you were an artist, yeah, where you were would really affect how yeah. you're hearing music and how you're feeling music. And so it's, it's another thing. Like once, as you grow as an artist and as you're able to travel more, you're going to change the way you make music. Like well, yeah. artists are allowed to change. Well, there should be. And I think what we don't appreciate especially is... And you're right. Location does matter to all of us. How I behave and communicate in any situation really does depend on my location. Yeah. Like if if when we travel the world, when we all used to do that back before everything shut down, when you if, we, if you and I were in Nairobi, Kenya, right now, right. We would be different. We would totally. talk differently. We would not be as stressed out about certain things. We would not be as anxious about certain things because we're in this new space. Yeah. And we're communicating and living in different ways. Well, it's the same thing as like when you go home. Right. Your accent comes back. That's right. That's right. Your vocabulary That's changes. That's right. Think of, it, think of it this way. I challenge, I challenge the listener today. When you have like a close one or a family relative or, or whatever come back from like a trip in another country or things like that, they've got all these new things that they like to share and you're excited for them and you're excited for what they've learned. When you listen to your favorite artist's new album, right. and if, if it isn't what you expect, try to listen to it like, oh, they're telling me what they've learned since the last album. Yeah. It will at least be more exciting to you. Yeah. You don't have to like it. No. You can still love the first album. Yes. That is okay. Absolutely. But try to change your perspective from why doesn't this sound like the first album to <laughs> hey, why doesn't this sound like the first album? That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. Low tide. Yeah, so this is the new intro to the podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's a it's a it's a jam. 
Yeah, so this, I, uh, I, I mean, I've always, instrumental music has always been a, really important to me. Um, it's how I learned how to make music because I didn't sing until a few years ago. Um, so I wanted an instrumental track or two on the album, and uh, I really, really like Low Tide. That's really all there is to it. It's like <laughs> it was a track I made, and I really like it. And it was I texted you about it, and being the next song on the yeah. podcast, and I was like, you know what, I'm putting it on the album too. Yeah, so that's, that's all good. there really is to that. I love that. But it was it was inspired by. Um, Cannon Beach, Oregon. Ooh, yeah, that's that's really a really beautiful place. Yeah, it's where they shot the pirate ship of the Goonies. Oh yeah. yes, what a great scene! Yeah, and so I was so there. when you hear when you whenever you're playing back that song or or you or someone wants to hear and they want to hear that song and you hear that that takes you back to yeah. standing on that beach. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it yeah. was it was a really cool trip. Okay, next. Yeah, so nostalgia is one of the tracks that I wanted to experiment with anti lyrics, which I don't think is something that I've come up with. <laughs> um, in fact, it's it's pretty stolen. It's a pretty stolen idea. But all um, the best ideas are stolen. But I stole it because. Uh, it was really therapeutic. So the, the concept behind it is you have a song, you want to sing and say something, but you also don't want what you want to sing and say to be heard. Yeah. You just need to sing it. You need to sing it. And so what you do is, or what I did for this song in particular is I sang these words that I needed to sing and then I affected them and manipulated them in a way that you can't tell what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and so there is a vocal and so it feels like a song, but there's like two words that I can still make out and everything else sounds there. There's even, I still have the words written down that I did sing. And when I listen to it, there are words that now sound like the antonym of what it actually was sung. Wow. Like there's some words that I hear and it's like, that is the opposite of what I sang. Yeah. Um, which is really weird. Um, but that was really cool and, and special uh, to, to think. And so I wanted to put that on there. It, it's a short song and it's, it's, it's really cool. It's, uh, it's a little more anthemic, but. Um, so I, why, I so why that, that title? Based upon, you oh, you can't, oh, you can't tell us that. No, that's part of the. Oh, the, that was this song is for me, and so like honestly, you know, like you can hear what you want to hear in it, and you can try to make out what I'm singing, but it's really just because like the whole thing was just for me, and if it helps anyone else, it does. But if it doesn't, then it doesn't. So yeah, nostalgia is related to the lyrics, but that's all I say. Okay, window pain. This actually was a song that I wrote. Right after we were texting each other, um, I was having like a really heavy week and, and it was one of those weeks I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. I was really worried about the world and we were texting and your aunt had died. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just like, I mean, I didn't know your aunt. Yeah. But 
it was just like one of those things where it was like the world was so heavy until like all of a sudden like I usually text you to like because it's like something that brightens my day up and that like really sucked to hear and I like really felt for you and the the room that I make all my music in it's in the back of the studio it's I've got my own little studio in there there's just a window right above my computer and I just after I was texting you I just kind of like drifted off yeah and was just looking out the window and there's plants that are growing actually on the window and then I made this track and it was pretty much a one sitting thing um uh that's all it is I, I really don't even know what it like what it is it's just kind of re- a reaction to just a heavy week and and feeling for a friend yeah um, yeah but it's it's really special to me. Both both sleep and window pain are actually pretty closely related mm. sound wise because they were both experiments with seeing how much I could do with one instrument. Um so a good a good ninety percent of both sleep and nostalgia is actually made from the acoustic guitar. Wow. Um, it's just heavily manipulated in different ways to make it sound like other instruments. But yeah, and even sleep, to go back for a second, sleep was an experiment. that The entire song of sleep, I actually used my iPhone mic to record oh, all of it. Nice. Which gave it this kind of like hiss and yeah. noise to it that I yeah. think is really cool and tangible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, n- n- uh, window, window pane. Right was an experiment with you because your guitar that crunchy sound in it that's just really heavy and kind of feels like coughing to me oh um that's an acoustic guitar yeah huh um and then there's other elements to kind of counteract it that are a little more consistent and reliable yeah it's a good song i like it okay we have the next one what do you think about and this is uh, kind of on the, well, not, it's one of the, almost one of the, it's on the longer end, this next song. <laughs> yeah. This was ridiculous. Um, so I actually had, when, when I came up with the Lullabies for Insomniacs title, what I did was like, I know this is the project that I want to put out. And so I actually made a folder of everything that could have fit within that concept. And there was about 30 track ideas in it. Um, and then it obviously narrowed down a lot. Sure. It technically narrowed down to six songs. And so in, so in a lot of ways, this is the last song in, in some ways. This is, yeah. Even so though, I, even though it has seven, eight potential songs right. on it, this is the, in a traditional sense, this is the end of the album. So this is actually the last song that I wrote timeline wise. Right. I wrote it after I decided on the songs that I thought were good enough to make it on the album. Um, and I just, I wanted there to be a song that expressed the, the feeling that I experience once I get a song out of my system and am able to sleep again. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote Drift, which is about that. It's, it's about kind of 
this like exhausted freedom and then drifting off to sleep finally. Yeah. Uh, the, which is the best part of sleep. Yeah. It's the only part we're there for. Yeah. So it's <laughs> falling into sleep, but it's also simultaneously, <laughs> it, it actually, I wanted it to be kind of a double meaning song. So it's also simultaneously about my mind drifting off and not letting me sleep. Oh yeah. And turning into this kind of warfare into my brain. And so that's why it is like very aggressive sounding and heavier. And it goes into this very, very long instrumental that I, I, I wanted the instrumental to be difficult to listen to. So it's, it's, it's overdone. It's, it's, really heavy on production there's a there's a concept in production called side chaining and it's basically where you make one sound affect another sound and so the the bass drum the kick drum that's happening in the song is side chaining the rest of the music pretty heavily like like if i showed it to another producer they'd they like, either think it's awesome that I decided that I had to do that, right? The yeah, courage to go that far, or they'd be like, "This is not how you do this." Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. But that was intentional. I, yeah. I wanted it to be really, really aggressive because I wanted it to convey that feeling of drifting off into kind of this this insane world of thoughts. Um, but then also, it ends with that piano, which is the the other contrasting thing, which is like when you finally get to drift off into sleep. Yeah. And it's more peaceful. So I guess it, what, what I'll ask about, uh, especially, you know, you're talking about that starting off with the 30 and this is, you know, kind of a part of the six songs that you came up with for this particular album. Mm-hmm. I know what I, what I have heard from different artists who've talked about their, pro- their process, different bands and, you know, individual artists and things of that nature is... They it's almost like you you have this folder that you talked about mm-hmm. that you pick from. Yeah. That you so this is and this is what we get. Right? Yeah. Now and I guess in the question is, in your mind, do you go back to that folder as you look at future projects? Or 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 do you say, Well, this is such a particular time right and so like i don't know if i i don't know if i'll go i mean i'm not getting rid of these little Uh things but like to go back into that i don't know if if those would even make their way into future projects maybe or or maybe if i do decide oh i know exactly what i want to do with that one track that was in the lullabies folder uh now that just comes into uh a re-release and you know an extra you know, on some more songs that fit with this theme. Does that make yeah, sense? Totally. Um, honestly, anything can happen with those other songs. So, first, there, there's a lot of there's there's a couple songs. One track in particular that I really really do love, and I'm really proud of, especially this one track in particular that that did not make the album and will not make anything. They're, they're songs that I just think they were really, really helpful for me to write. Right. But, um, and therapeutic, but it, 
it is a memory. The song is a memory and the memory can be damaging to myself or to other people sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so it just can't be hurt again. It was something that had to happen and that was good for me, but it will remind people of, of, of that, of whatever that. that is. Yeah. And so sometimes the folder has tracks like that, that will not go anywhere. Yeah. Um, sometimes, uh, there's songs that were written for this, for the project you're working on, but can also work for other things. Yeah. But I would say most of the time, like 90% of the time, because of the way that my creative process happens, I usually start with music. I usually start with sound rather than lyrics. So my folder, when I started, was 90% just instrumental music. Right. And then it would be things where it was like, I want to say this, let me put the words on top of that. Except for in the case of drift and noise. Drift and noise were both things that I wrote down the words first. Right. And then the music happened. Yeah. Um, but a good 20 of the tracks that are in that folder that didn't make this are just instrumental tracks. And so they probably will be heard. Sure. Eventually they can turn into something else. There's actually one song in particular. The track is really awesome. I love it. And I wrote lyrics on top of it and the lyrics I didn't like at all. And so I am using that track in another song now, but I got rid of the lyrics, Yeah. but it didn't make this album. So it, it's kind of all of the above. Yeah. Some never go anywhere. Some do go somewhere. Some get repurposed. Some get rebranded. Um, some can't go anywhere. Yeah. Like they're not allowed to go anywhere. Um, so, and, and I think that that, and I think that there's the, there's some wisdom in there for, for anyone, which is sometimes you just, you need to create the thing, whatever yeah. it is, you need to get it out of you. So whether that's writing in a journal, whether that's making the beats, whether that's building the, the birdhouse, or building the table, whatever yeah. it is, right? Whatever it is, I think we all have our ability to to build and create and and put out and release something that's within us. Whether it's words, whether it's some type of creative endeavor, and sometimes, sometimes, it never sees the light of day. Yeah. But you did it, and it's for you, and that's okay to have a thing that's just for you. Totally, that's totally okay, and that's. That's one of the things that I really respect about my boss, Mickey. Um, his name's Mickey Echo, by the way. I think I've said that before here, but he's he's a, he's an incredible artist, and you you all should go listen to his music. But one of the things that he's he always is saying whenever he works with other people, whenever they come over to the studio or during COVID, now they're ha- it's happening over Zoom. Um, he always tells an artist or a songwriter or a producer that he's working with before they get started, if there's anything you're, you need to expect today, it is not a song. And I think that the downfall of artists is when they think the thing that, when they go into the creative process, the creating part wanting to make a product and that sometimes it works for people. There are some people out there that are really good at making records, great songs. Well, I mean, in in part that was like a band, like one direction, like that was, yeah, 
And other bands are like that. But it you, turned into something. But it, it, you've got to commit to it. Yeah. But then, but what I always see, and I don't think that it's a coincidence, is you always see them break up and do their solo project. Yeah. There's always a solo project because I don't think that that way of creating is meaningful. It's It has its place and it's awesome. I love a meaningless song. But I think the point is to enter the creative phase as what do I need today? Hmm. Um, and I'm not saying I make great songs <laughs> and that's kind of my point is like, I'm not trying to make great songs. This whole album was like, what did I need today? Yeah. Um, for low tide, it was, I just needed a cool song. I just yeah. needed a good vibe. I needed yeah. something cool for window pain. It was, I needed to express some real pain here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I can't speak for other artists, but I, I do think what's really important is to not... I love that, that that's what Mickey always tells people is you shouldn't expect a song. We're just here to... We're just here to... He, he really is going for primarily... He wants people to remember what they love about music. That's his goal with, doing, with working right. with people. Right. Because right. he works with a lot of people that have been in the game for a while. Um... But yeah, my creative process is more like, what do I need today? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think that it's good to, it's important to, you know, as you said, what, what do you need today? And what do you need to get out today? And what do you need to say with whatever it is that you're doing? I think it's important. I mean, you, it, whatever is happening within you, it's, it's going to come out in some way. Yeah. Whether in a healthy or unhealthy way. And the and the reality for a lot of us is that, or the hope I would even maybe I'll say the hope is is that you would at least have some control of what that looks like. Totally. Because if you don't, it's going to come out, yeah. right, positive or negatively. Like it's going to yeah. happen. And so why not be? Why not try at least to be a part of the process of how it comes out and what it looks like when it comes out. Then to like try to like tight hand it force it into whatever you know yeah so um yeah that's good okay last song which i guess is like a this is a the last song but kind of like in a like a bonus almost yeah but it is it is a last song on the on the album now on the album album that you see online it's an instrumental version but there mm-hmm. is a full version that mm-hmm. you released earlier called noise mm-hmm. and this is the one we talked about that was like a journal entry and yeah. you did some cool things with that so yeah noise so the version that has lyric in it is important to me very important to me but the instrumental version was also equally important which is why i wanted to put it out because of the way it kind of happened so a while back i think it was before 2020 it was probably like December. Um, I just wrote this journal down of just, it was just kind of like scattered thoughts of kind of fearful thoughts of like, what are, what do we do in the world? It's, it's, we've just reached a, a bad place, especially in our country. Um, and so I wrote down all these thoughts and then following the thoughts, 
felt like I needed to make some music, not necessarily thinking that I needed to turn these thoughts into lyrics. Right. So then I made this track, which I'm very proud of. It's entirely performed. It's similar to Control, but the difference is, is Control has some elements that, it, while it was all instruments and, and analog, quote unquote, there were things that, there were certain techniques that I used that technically wasn't me playing the instrument. Like, I would sample things. So I'd like play like one chord on a piano and turn it into multiple chords. Or, or there's a synth that you, you hold down a certain amount of keys and it plays them all individually at a certain time. It's called an arpeggiator. Um, noise was, was a track that I, I, every note I played. Yeah. And there's even, um, there, there's French horns and trombones that I played as well, which nice. was really cool for me Yeah, to be able to get back into. Um, and then the, the track is heavily vocals at the end. There's a lot of vocals, like I think 60 tracks of vocals. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's the only song, even though it all is very much me, it's the only song that is physically me, um, completely, tangibly me. Um, and so, anyways, I, I made the track. The track sat at, as is forever. Yeah. And then I think it was probably, what was it, like April or something? Mm-hmm. May that I started texting a bunch of friends, you included. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey, I've got this song. It is a really important song to me. And Mm -hmm. I've got these words that I've written down that are really important words. And I want these, I want to hear these words spoken by other people. Right. I think that the words will serve me even further. If I heard other people talking about it. it, especially the one thing that I was looking for in particular were people of different color. I wanted to hear them say these words. Yeah. And I wanted to hear kids say these words. Yeah. Um, so I reached out to a lot of people and I just have had them, I had everybody send me a recording of them reading all of the words. Yeah. And it was really emotional week. It was, it was heavy. Um, I think the, the hardest part was like, you know, the first word is I'm scared. And to hear this kid named Braden say it was really heavy. Um, because like the the world that we are creating is is going to be his world. Um, and he's scared of yeah. that. Yeah. Or at least that's what he was reading to me. Yeah. I would be scared if I were him. Um, and so. You know, after sitting on that and, and sitting with it for a while, what I did was I, I basically chopped everyone's recordings up and, and had them saying specific phrases that were meaningful coming from that person. Sure. Um, some phrases being said by everyone, some phrases being said by only girls because it was more powerful coming from a girl. Right. Some phrases um, I said. Um, yeah. And then it turned into this kind of spoken word thing over the track. And, um, 
it was it was really powerful for me and it was just like one of those things where like it, it again it might not make sense to anybody when they hear it they might just be like what is this talking about but it really was it was really important to me well yeah and i mean and that's and that's the you know that's the thing with music and that's the thing with any song is that sometimes you could say okay this song is about this thing that's happening. Yeah. And sometimes the song is like, I think this is what this means, or at least this is what it means to me. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think that's good. I think it's good to have, I think both are important. I think both are helpful. Um, yeah. But that's a good song. So wait, uh, you said that I'm scared line, but I was going to ask, is there any other line that you remember in that, in the song, in the writing, that still when you hear it or when you come across it it's like oh wow like that still that that still is a meaning and not that any of the the whole thing isn't meaningful but this thing really stands out and sticks out still as you hear it over and over again yeah let me let me pull up the words here i apologize no but yeah i think definitely you know for those of you who are you you're still journeying with us like Definitely go check this album out. This is going to be a, it's going to be a good listen. This is a good listen as you drive into work, or going on your adventure in the city of Nashville. Yeah. Or in the Midwest or the West. Yeah. The, or the North. Won't I mean, leave the North. The West out. had a lot of influence on this. <laughs> this is very much yeah. So my West Colorado Coast West Portland Coast listeners, and, this yeah. is a, this is an album for you. <laughs> um. Uh. The, I yeah. mean, there's a, there's a lot. Sure. Um, there are no more heroes. I had Brayden, the little boy, say that one. That one hit hard because I think our society has done something to the idea of a hero that is is not very healthy. We've we've made celebrities required to speak out everyone has to have a stance or else if they're not having a stance that's having a stance right and i do think that there are moments in which people need to come out and say i condemn this i don't i don't agree with this i stand for this and all this stuff but the idea of they're not being able to be There's just this, there's this slight element of guilt, I feel like, constantly involved with people standing up for what they believe in now. And maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but just the idea of a hero, to me, is someone who's just motivated to, to speak out and make a change. And it kind of just feels now like the people that are supposed to be heroes are now being required to do what they do by the, the people that follow them. Yeah, they're they were elected whether they put their name in the ballot or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think right. recently, I don't want to go too far into this because I know it's really controversial. <laughs> oh, but like I, a recent example is like spicy. There's there's a lot of hate right now going around about Chris Pratt. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he's he's not an outspoken guy about societal issues, political issues, things like that. 
And so people assume that he believes one thing because of it. He, if he were to say something now, he can't be a hero for it. He's doing what everybody told him he needed to do. Yeah. That's not heroic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that, that line in particular, I I just, it's a little scary to me for somebody to grow up in a world that like everybody is required to be a good person. Yeah. Well, or everybody is, is, is required to take a particular stance on anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back to a conversation that I'm often having with lots of people, which is the ability, the ability to, or the inability to separate this person who is just a person who has different thoughts and opinions about a variety of things and the art in which they create. Right. Like we've talked about this multiple times. Like why do people ask Kanye the questions they ask him? Yeah. Kanye makes music. Like a long time ago when they asked him questions that he gave stupid answers to, it's like, why did he have to say anything about that? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, if anything, why are you not asking him about his creative process? Right. About how he works in a, in a, in a studio. But it is because we are, we have such a, the, the, our society at large, this is a, a call on all of us. We are, we are all participating in voyeurism. Like we want to know, I just, I don't want to just see my favorite artist perform on the movie or create the song. I want to know what your favorite salad is. I want to know the kind of, the kind of shirts you like to buy. I want to be able to dress like you. I want to know your every move and your every thought because I need you to align with me. In or, every way. Yeah, or there's like this... Or be like you in every way. Yeah, there's like this insecurity. Right. Where it's like, the reason why I need you to take a stance is because I don't know what to say. Yeah, that's part of it too. Um, yeah, And, and that's I, what I'm saying. It's like, I, I just, I don't think that that's a healthy way to approach believing in things. Yeah. Well, I mean, because, I mean, because, and, and there's the thing, it's like, you got people who are, I mean, there's so many now, you know, problematic what some would what some would say problematic figures within this like media yeah. because of their their stance or what they're saying and and, and everyone you know when especially when it comes to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever and yeah but I mean at, and I, and I do appreciate the the comments from and the and the approach from some folks who says well look like you you too as a famous person, whatever that looks like, you also have a choice on how you participate with. Yeah. So some people you like a great example for me is I love the actor Daniel day Lewis. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about that man's life. He's not on any social media. He is never doing interviews. He just, my homie just shows up. He plays amazing characters in movies. It's like, I'm going home. And y'all can just do what y'all going to be doing. But I'm not participating in all of that. And so it's this weird balance of like, look, you can make your monies, do your art, and just live your life off the grid. And there's plenty of other musicians and and, uh, 
and actors alike who do that. And it's others that are just always hopping on an interview or always posting something. And I I don't want to. And there's like a weird misunderstood. I I absolutely think people should have beliefs and stand for something, but it's the, it's the idea of requiring it. Like, like for instance, I think Colin Kaepernick is a hero. Yeah. And you can, if you're listening to this and you disagree with me, that's okay. This is my belief. I think he's a hero. Well, and you, the reason if, why, if you don't believe that, you probably are on to the wrong podcast. <laughs> yeah, probably. But beside the fact, the reason why I think he's a hero is because no one told him to do that. No one asked him to say anything. No, that's right. No one asked him to kneel. No one asked him to do anything. He just did it because he thought it was what he needed to do. But it's the idea of, you know, the fact that we are living in a society where we, we, everyone has like a PR person and when something happens or there's something controversial happening in the world, we go to that person's PR and say, do you have a statement? Yeah. That's, I don't think that's the right approach. Yeah. I, I think that people need to, to speak out when they feel like they need to speak out. Yeah, I mean, I think you. I think you definitely need to speak out. We need to speak out, and I think we. And and here's there are I, people though that I do think are required to take a stance. Sure, but like our president. Well, sure, uh, yes, and but and what I would say too is this. I think that you should definitely have whatever opinion you're gonna gonna have, but I think that no matter if you're uh, just a random guy or girl walking on these streets, or if you're someone who's famous and have some type of platform of any kind of platform. There's this is always a true thing is that there's always consequences, mm-hmm. positive or negative consequences to anything we say or don't say, do or don't do. Right. And we just have to appreciate this. Like, because I am who I am, no matter what that is, there's a consequence to what I say or what I don't say or what I do and what I don't do. And like, I need to be able to weigh those out and be able to because, again, like, you know, to this point of Chris Pratt, you know. I'm sure that he hopefully in his own in his own way was like I'm comfortable with the outcome of what's going to happen because I don't show up to do this right. or I don't speak out it was strongly he in this. Was aware of what He's was aware. Happen. So not like he was unaware, but I do think that we are all a lot of us no matter where you find yourself on a particular issue will be quick to dump coals onto someone's head. Um Without without any like it takes it takes literally like a, a gust of wind if yeah. we're ready. I just think that it's this balance of realizing, no matter who you are, celebrity or, or not, there are always people who look up to you. Yeah, that's right. There are always people following you, or yeah. listening to you at least. At minimum, they're listening to you. Yeah. So what you say matters, but also you don't have to say anything. Yeah, you don't have to. Say you don't anything. owe anyone anything. That's right. And I. That's a good. That's good. Yeah, I think that there are th- things that you should really consider saying something about. Yeah, but in the end, you don't owe me anything, and yeah. so I also believe that. And so yeah. that's that's kind of yeah. I hear it, that. That was a long tangent. No, that's good. Um, so I guess the last thing I'll ask you is well, no, not the last thing. I'll ask uh, two more things. So the the one thing I've I've we've talked about before, but we haven't talked about officially on. Uh, on the podcast, but I'm, I'm curious, even as you're on the other side of this release, 
you know, you are friends with lots of musicians. Like you have a lot, a lot of your good friends are in this music industry, if Mm -hmm. you will, like you are. But I'm always curious of those that have like every group of friends kind of has like a a vibe, right? Like this, Mm -hmm. we all like this stuff in these kind of movies or this kind of whatever, right? And I would say that within a lot of your circles that you find yourself in, you're, a lot of people you know don't do music the way that you do music. Meaning right. you are, you've got these instrumental tracks and you've got these production and, it's, and, it, and it has a sound and, it, mm-hmm. and, it, and a vibe that is not... And, and I would say to not clump, I would say you have a lot of singer-songwriter friends. Yeah. You have a lot of like... You know, uh, indie, rock. indie rock is probably yeah. an even larger genre than that within your group, which is like now the indie rock don't doesn't like the style of music that you tend to tend to create. Right. But it is like really interesting with like your all your great friends who are a bunch of indie rockers. And here you are over here making these sick beats and these <laughs> instrumental tracks and yeah. this great production value, like all of this, like what? I mean, what is that like being the, it's like being the, the friend that's the fan of, of a sports team or, or something that's like, I'm the odd man that likes this team. Everybody else loves this other team, right. uh, but it's still the same sport, right? right. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what's that, what's that been like, even as you get to the, you're now kind of on the other side of this release for, I guess, yeah. a little bit. Um, it's actually really interesting that you bring that up, because that's something that's actually kind of difficult. Um, the beautiful thing about the music industry and the beautiful thing about music being an industry is you can choose what you listen to. That's right. You can, you can like what you like and you can not like what you, what you don't like. Um, it just so happens that the style of music that I like to listen to and I, that I like to make doesn't really fit in with what all my friends make and like. Right. Um, and so there's like a lonely aspect to that. Uh, I don't think a lot of my friends have listened to this and that's okay. They don't have to. Yeah. Because that's the beauty of the industry. Like I really do believe that and I stand by that. Um, and again, the, the whole point of this whole album was for me. Yeah. What's been really interesting is I recently, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast. I recently joined this, music streaming service called matter and it's just a unique approach to music streaming. So the artist controls their profile, their catalog. Yeah. Um, they upload when they want to upload, they release music when they want to release music. They can post a social media post. They can post photos, videos that you can direct message with the artists. You can chat. There's this live global chat happening all day, every day. Um, it's, it's just less of a store or a place of right. consuming and more of a hub, more of a community. Um, and I've found a, a lot of comfort there and community. I've found people that make music like me. I've found people that like music that I, that I make. Mm-hmm. And... I've been able to make some friends online with those people yeah. and, and I bounce ideas off them and, and I get their feedback and, they, and I give them feedback on their stuff and, and it's become a very supportive community. Yeah. 
um, it it is the reason why I decided to release it. Yeah. Um, because I was receiving support and love from there, and and I'm not saying that I need that for my friends. Yeah, and I but, mean, and, and it's and I, and I would say that hope, and I would hope. I mean, I would want to say is that like people. I think there's always there's um, different degrees of support in totally. some ways, right? And it's like it's not that you know I love the support. You know, I know that I have a certain kind of support from my family yeah, yeah. that is just like they're supportive of just they are here for the person, right? Whatever you whatever do. you do, yeah. I know you probably care less about yeah. my this, that, and the other about the thing that I like to do, but you are so in my corner for that, right? right? And then you have friends who like who share very similar interests, exactly the same interests, and they're supportive in a way that is so uniquely different than if like someone who's a family member is supportive yeah. of you. And then you have people who are like you know your contemporaries, who are your who are you almost like we we do very very closely the same thing getting that kind of support is different because I can talk to that person in a jargon way because it's in like a, a smaller, like kind of like insular like community of like, oh, we do the same thing. So we think about things and use terms totally. in certain ways. And so I feel like as long as we, it's good to have those things, those people who kind of fit in those different pockets. But like you said, it's also okay that like if this particular slice of my life, these friends who I love, and who I care for and in, in, in a support too in, in a lot of ways, it's okay if they're not as into it as these folks are into it. Yeah. Because in, that's just how they don't have to be. Right. It, it just so happens there's, there's a whole range of, of, there's a whole spectrum of loving music. I happen to be a music lover. I really love anything and everything. And I know that that's a cliche thing to say, but I really do. I love it all. Right. I happen to be friends with genre lovers. I just do. A lot of my friends like specific things. They don't like anything outside of it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have one friend in particular. He's one of my best friends who really doesn't like anything that doesn't have guitar on it because he's a guitar player. And that's awesome. That's, yeah. that's, his, that's his vibe. Yeah. And that's, but so like, you know, I find myself and, and part of the way that I like to socialize is I like to text my friends when they put out music and I like to tell them what I like about it and what I, what I like think is really cool and stuff like that. But like, I don't expect that in return, especially because I know what they like and I know they won't like what I put out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. And I, and I think that, and I think that that's so, and here's the reality. Is I would that, never ask somebody to pretend to right. like something. You don't want people to pretend to like something. And it's like, do am I only, am I only a supporter of you so that you will only support me? Like, totally. am I doing this thing because there's an alternative motive yeah. for me to do it? I, if I just, if I listen to it and like it and I say, hey, I like this, that I shouldn't, that shouldn't have a expectation on you to say, oh, so when I do something, I need you to text me right. and tell me that I like it. says, no, I'm going to tell you I like that. And if I do something and if you listen to it, like, again, the thing that we're creating here, like that I'm, that I've made this Patrick podcast I know that there are people who are, I talk to people all the time who don't even listen to the podcast, who are good friends. It's like, ah, I started one. And I was like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's fine. Because in some ways, like, it goes back to who are you doing the thing for? Right. And, and another thing is, is like, 
I truly believe that I was put here on this earth to make music happen. Yeah. Mostly other people's music. I believe that my my top purpose in life over the purpose of me making music for myself is making is helping other people's music happen. Sure. And so part of that because I'm aware of that and because I've realized that is part of doing that is texting people and telling them, "Hey, yeah. I like your new song." Yeah. I think you're doing a great job because yeah. that encouragement is helping the next song happen. I yeah. hope. Yeah. Maybe it's not. Oh, but yeah. I don't necessarily need that. Right. It, the affirmation from Matter streaming. Sure. From that community was what motivated me to release it to the world. Yeah. It wasn't what I needed to make the music. Right. right. Um, so good. I know that doesn't really answer your question oh, because yeah, there's good. the reason why I can't answer it is because like, I don't think anybody has listened to it that, <laughs> that you were asking about. Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. We've probably gone way too long because this is what happens when I'm just rogue podcasting. Yeah. But here's, we'll, we'll end with this. As you said, one of you feel like one of the big uh, meanings and purpose of your life is help to help others create their music. You are, you know, just a little quick, just a, we don't do the itty bitty, you and uh, Riley Buck, who's this new up and coming, up and coming artist mm -hmm. with, uh, who is currently existing here in Nashville, Tennessee, but you've been working closely with her and, yeah. and you got a, a song that just came out recently, mm -hmm. you know, on, I believe it was in, I think it came out actually on Halloween. Yeah. And so, um, what... What has that been like to work with someone? Because, I mean, you've done lots of work in my artist mm -hmm. but it feels like she may have a, a little spark. Like, she, yeah. may, she may have it. So what has it been like to work with someone who has such talent and there's a potential, like, this could, she could break through. I mean, she's not, she's not far off from having a potential breakthrough moment, I think. Yeah, the way that that whole relationship started was really special and really authentic. It, she was a, a friend of my girlfriend's living in the same dorm room, and and she was just just for the heck of it trying to, a songwriting class in college. And yeah. uh, she wrote a song, and for a final project, she needed a demo of it. So Maddie told her to come over to my house, and we made a demo of it, and then had a lot of fun. Um, and she's not she's not a musician or an artist up right. until that point she was just trying it yeah and it was a lot of fun and then we we just had always planned on like working together for real sometime and so then we got together and we worked on that same song and, and finished it and made it a new song it's called louisville it's out and then we did a bunch more songs and put out an ep and then Release, released a couple more tracks and and what it was starting what I was starting to realize that was really interesting was um because she was just trying it she was just having fun and going with it that I was having a lot of freedom to kind of just do what I wanted with the music and we talked about it recently and and decided that it was it was worth sharing the artist name because uh it was so equally us it was yeah. my music and her words and, and yeah. her song um and so yeah the latest release which i guess it actually came out earlier october i think yeah. the video was released that's why i make yeah. that mistake so the the actual she, song's been out since like mid-october yeah I guess. it came out mid-october 
So we decided we were going to start releasing music as both Riley Buck and Benjamin R.R., even though it's not me singing, but it's our song. It's, I you're, mean, you're, like, you're like a Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Uh, no, but she approached me. Uh, no, Justin Timberlake and uh, and Timberland. Yeah, there you go. That maybe sure. that's cooler. Which, by the way, Timberland is Pharrell's cousin. Oh yeah, you seen it? Yeah. Who knew that? Anyways, uh, <laughs> I thought everybody did. I didn't know that. Uh, so she approached me this summer and she was like, "I want to make a Halloween song. I just want to make a fun, kind of meaningless song, party song." And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So that's what the song is. It came out, but I will say we're working on a EP together. Another nice. one, it's it's going to be released as Benjamin R.R. and Riley Buck. And so the other nice thing about her allowing me to put my name on it as well is like she doesn't have to necessarily stick to one sound anymore. Yeah. Because we're admitting to the idea that it's the two of us. Yeah. And so the, the next EP is going to be a little more... The, that Halloween song, 1031, is, is already way different from her first EP. It's, it's like more of a dance song. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, but this next EP is just going to be a little more experimental, trying new things. And then I'm actually working on, personally, an EP that's going to be called Bonfire. And it's it's uh, it's going to have features and other artists on there. Riley's going to be on there. And, that's great. And uh, it's going to be more fun songs. It's not really going to be therapy, therapy for me. It's going to be, I want to make songs that people want to dance to. Yeah. And and I have some songs that make me dance. Um, that's maybe great. it is therapy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's all, so it's all therapy. <laughs> bonfire will probably come out next year. But We're good. All right, Benjamin, that was great. Thanks, thanks for, for me, Patrick. Thanks for thanks for talking talking with us about this wonderful wonderful album, Lullabies for Insomniacs. People, check it out. We should maybe you know maybe at the end now as we're leaving, you could you could throw on um, one of the tracks. What control was your favorite, right? Um, we'll do sleep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you've already heard low tide. Yeah, you hear low tide time, and now you get to hear sleep as we as we peace out. All yeah. right, folks. Thanks. Thanks for listening and share, listen, and subscribe <laughs> to Benjamin RR. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all next time. Once I do